Welcome to HOWC Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. So we're starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, very beginning of the Bible. We're going to start in the beginning. This is a literal account of how we begin that we might better understand who we are and why and where we are and why as well as where we are going and why. You cannot really understand your need for salvation without understanding the story of creation. This is why this is one of the most attacked parts of the Bible. The devil has tried very hard to convince a whole generation that this is not true. Because if they don't believe the very foundation of Scripture, then they're going to question the rest of it. Plus, it takes away the need for redemption. The Bible teaches us that before man sinned, there was no death. Okay? The schools and evolutionists will teach you that there has been death for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Millions of years, all right? Some churches will even teach that. But the truth is, is it would be heresy to believe that there was death before sin because sin brought death. God did not create the misery of our current creation. God created paradise. Sin brought in all of the suffering that we experience. And God has since then been working to redeem us from it because he loved us and didn't want to just wipe it all out and destroy us and do something different. He wanted to redeem us. So starting in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the very first time that we see anything about the Holy Spirit in Scripture is right here. It moves upon the face of the water. So you kind of see the earth is dark. It's kind of formless. It's just a big ocean. It's, it's chaotic. The Holy Spirit comes and moves upon the faces, face of the water and starts to bring things together. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So the first thing that God brings is light into the darkness. The first time God speaks, his word brings light into the darkness. When Jesus comes, it says in the beginning, in John chapter 1 verse 1, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it goes on to talk about how he was the light of man and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus is the word of God. When God, everything God spoke from creation all the way through to revelation always points us back to Jesus. It was created through him, by him, and for him. So let there be light. So then there was light in the darkness. And as soon as God speaks, we start to see goodness coming in. And that light comes and it's starting to bring things together. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness 
he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. All right, one of the things you'll hear is that this story is not literal, that it's just a metaphor, and that maybe these days represented a thousand years or a million years. The verse that says a thousand years with the Lord is as a day and a day is as a thousand um, years is null and void because it still brings you back to a day. Regardless, it cancels itself out. That's basically saying that God exists outside of time and his perception of time is different than ours. But this word here, day, in the Hebrew is yom. It means a literal 24-hour time frame. And if that's not enough, then it lists every single day, it says, between the evening and the morning. The sun up, the sun down. One literal day. So on the first day, what did it create? Light. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. So at first it was just water. And so now God is creating a division between the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. So between the time frame of the evening and the morning is day two. God creates the heavens. That's what we would call the atmosphere. So it separates the waters beneath which are the oceans from the waters above. That would be um, like the rains and the, the water vapor up in the atmosphere. And in between we have our what we would call the air and the space. So what did he create on the second day? The sky. The heavens, yeah. Firmament. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. This is interesting because originally in the beginning, and we'll get more into this as we go later on down the story, there was one landmass. He gathers the waters into one giant ocean and the land into one giant landmass. It describes later on when we get there after the Tower of Babel that God will divide the land and start to separate the, the peoples and the languages. But at this point, it's all together. That's why when you look at a map, um, all the continents look like they fit together because it was one landmass, right? And when the dividing of the land came, if you look at the earth, if you look at a globe without the ocean and you see the mid-Atlantic rift, that is literally a giant scar canyon where the earth is still to this day separating and pulling apart and moving. And you can see that. And that's what, as that happened, that was part of what caused the dividing of the lands. And that's also part of what caused the draining of the floods. But in the beginning, it says there was one landmass and there was one place for the waters. And we'll get to it because it'll tell you at which point God starts to break up the land um, after the Tower of Babel story. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters. He called seas and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herbs yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth 
and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herbs yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. So between the evening and the morning on the third day, God created grass and plants and trees and those things. On the fourth day, God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven and divided the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so. And God made two great... So that was talking about the stars. God created the stars in the heavens. And God created two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God... So they talk about the sun and the moon and the stars. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. This is another proof that Yom means 24 hours. Every day he he specifies that this is between the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun of one day. But also we saw that in day three he created the grass and the trees and the plants, but he didn't create the sun and the moon and the stars till the next day. So if this was millions of years or thousands of years apart, your grass and your trees and your plants would have died before the sun was able to shine on it. It can last one night in the dark. It can't last a million years in the dark. So if they ask you what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you say the chicken with the egg. Because the trees were there. He created them already with fruit on them and with the seed in them so that they could start to procreate. The fifth day, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life. Uh, We just did the fourth day. What did he create on the fourth day? The lights, yeah, the sun. Yeah. So we on the fifth day now. So the things that are in the water and fowls that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let fowl multiply in the earth, and the evening and the morning was the fifth day. So what did he create on the fifth day? Yep. Things in the water, things in the air. And if you ever actually watch the way fish move in a school and the way birds move in a flock, they're very, very similar. He created them both at the, on the... Fish fly through the water. 
Fish fly through the water. And birds swim through the air. (laughs) There you go. So, okay, before I even read this, I'm going to ask y'all, day six, what does the number six represent? Why? You're about to, because day six is the day man is made. So when you see things like the mark of the beast being 666, it's actually the number of man. It's the number, it's it's the idea of trusting in man. It's unholy, yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. It's demonic. Demonic only means selfishness. Doing what you want for you. When you do what's best for you, you worship the devil. When you do what's best for God, you will do what's best for others. You worship God. When you're selfless and you help others, you are doing what God desires. When we are selfish, we will hurt others and we're doing what the devil desires. And he told man to work six days and wrestle the seven. Yeah. All right, day six. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Now when it says, says after his kind, that means that he created two dogs, and then those dogs will reproduce more dogs, more canines of their kind. So he created two feline, and then they will go forth and create after their kind. So they're not going to evolve into something different, but they can create more, they will produce more in their kind. They will adapt within their kind. So if you have um, a bear, he creates two bears, then they start reproducing bears. Now, if these bears are in different climates, they can adapt to those climates, and you may end up with a polar bear or a grizzly bear, but it's still the same kind. There's adaptation is the, the word for adaptation of their environment, so they evolve within their environment to adapt, but they don't become a new species. They stay within their If a dog is, is moving into a colder climate, then the dogs with longer hair are going to will survive and fare better, so you will end up with longer-haired dogs. But you will never end up with something other than a dog. Even humans do that. Humans that live up high in the mountains, their chest is a little bit different physiologically. They have larger lungs, and because the air is, is thinner, their frame is actually built a little different. They have adapted, but they're still human. They're not going to ever turn into something other than a human. 26. And God said... Let us make man in our image. Let us. 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 Plural. Plural. So God is speaking with someone. Who is God speaking with in the midst of creation? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Dominion is like authority over. And over the fowls of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. In this is God's first commission and covenant with man. His, this was the purpose of man from creation. Be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion. Subdue the earth. Now this was a physical dominion and this was a physical subduing at this point. When the second Adam comes, which is Jesus, we're given actually the same commission again, but on a spiritual level, be fruitful spiritually fruitful, spiritual fruit, and multiply and take dominion and subdue, go out and subdue kingdoms and so forth. But it's the same commission, but it's in a spiritual sense through Jesus. Because this dominion that we were actually given right here, we lose it in the fall, but we'll probably do that next week. We're going to do just the, the creation tonight. But this is important to understand that from creation, we were created to take dominion. We were put on the earth to learn how to rule and to reign and to kind of shepherd and, and to, because he's, he gave man dominion to be a good steward. Exactly. He gave men dominion over the animals. And God is watching to see how we steward things, how we tend to our animals, how we tend to our families, how we tend to our friends and, and the least among us. He's watching to see how we use the authorities that we are given. Because he wants us to be able to rule and reign with him in heaven. We are his children and this is part of the training and the testing. Verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be meat. So what were men originally allowed to eat? Every herb and every fruit that had a seed in it. Everything bearing seed. So the bad fruit that they ate in the garden was probably not an apple. Like most of the pictures depict. Because it does have a seed. Might have been a banana. I don't see no seeds in a banana. Yeah, I was trying to think of something without a seed. <laughs> yeah, it was GMO. Don't eat the GMO. It was a seedless watermelon. <gasps> But even to this day, even with uh, modified plants, if it's seedless, it's not, it doesn't have very much nutritional value as opposed to the natural seeded plant. It's a little bit more annoying, but seeds are also very healthy for the most part to eat. Like I know growing up we were told don't eat the seeds, but a lot of the nutrients that are in the seeds are actually very good for you. To every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So in the beginning, originally through creation, God created us to be herbivores, he did not give permission to eat meat because there was no death and there was no violence. 
So it wasn't just us. Everything created was herbivores. Nothing ate meat because there was no death and there was no violence. So for everything created, man and animals created on the same day, they were given herbs and fruits that had seed in it, and that was our diet. To this day, that's probably still one of your healthier diets. There comes a point at which God adds meat to the diet, but we'll get there. That's not till after the Noah story. Mama? I'm going to repeat that for the recording so that, that y'all can hear that. She's making the point that originally, since there was no death or no um, violence, things like lions and so forth, everything, H8, grass or whatever. When New Jerusalem returns, after Jesus returns, there's a prophecy that says that there will be no death in my holy mountain. In that place, it's going to be restored to just like it was in the Garden of Eden. And it says that the lion will lay down. Well, right, with he'll, the lion will eat straw like an ox. They'll, the lion and the lamb will be able to lay down together, the wolf and the ox and all those things. We were never originally meant to eat meat. There's an adaptation. Basically, since the fall, the curse, a lot of things have changed. So what you see before curse and after curse, it's almost night and day. Yeah. Right. We're, we're going to go through the story and you'll you'll see how things change. But you'll also see how the lifespan of humans gets shorter and shorter as that happens also. Yeah. It goes, if you look at the skull of a, of a panda bear, you can see it and you're like, man, that thing tears me up. But yeah. it's back all day long. And yet it's got giant fangs like a... Right. Oh, a squirrel. A squirrel, I mean... Well, a fruit bat looks crazy scary. Yeah. Their skull, you see their teeth like, man, they... The assumption is always tearing meat, right? That's always their assumption. But in the end, the sharp teeth is so they can tear through their food. For a panda, it's wood. They would eat. Is it probably easier to chew meat than it would be to chew the bamboo? So where science has always got this, well, the sharp teeth is for meat is weird to me. It just means that they're trying to tear up the hard food. They're eating nuts, walnuts. That's another thing I've seen. They did a study with great white sharks. They put. You know, they always throw chum out the water and the sharks will come. They actually put a, they did an experiment where they put uh, seaweed, a type of kelp out there, and this chum. The shark actually went eat the seaweed. Before, before the chum. Before the chum. So, uh, I mean, they're not just eating fish all day long. That's right. Bears <laughs> bears do a lot of green. Right. They eat a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen, um, you know, I was watching something about, you know, like, wolves and you know these these great experts talking about the diet of dogs and the diets of wolves and and they're like well your dog is not a wolf wolves are designed to just eat meat all day long they never eat you know all this other stuff in the wild and i'm like wolves and coyotes eat my cantaloupes they eat my sweet corn they eat everything in my garden so yes they do eat more than just meat they will eat whatever they can get wolves and and predators will eat vegetables and fruits and things if they have the opportunity wolves will eat your watermelons and your cantaloupes and your sweet corn they like sweet they have a sweet tooth and your cats they will they'll eat whatever they can poor things all right we're going to do chapter two this one will go a little quicker because it's not as much detail um, and then we're going to stop there and we'll start next week on the fall so chapter two begins thus in heaven and in earth 
Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished. So within six days, God created everything. And on the seventh day, which is what we're covering in chapter two, it was finished. And all the host of them. So everything that was in them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made the Sabbath. And that's why we're supposed to rest on the seventh day and spend time communing with God. We work the six days like God. And one thing that throughout time and history still holds true is the seven-day week. There is no astrological reason for a seven-day week, okay? So some people have months by moons and suns. There's no reason for seven-day weeks other than that we are still carrying that through from creation. We have seven days. We work for six. We're supposed to rest for one. The devil tries to steal our rest continually, but that's the way God originally wanted it. So by day seven, all of creation was finished. It was complete and it was perfect. It wasn't still evolving. There were seven literal days and everything was done. And we know that this is not impossible for God. We sometimes, you know, we try to make things make sense by fitting it into our science and our logic. It doesn't have to make sense. God can just make it because he is God and he can do what he wants. This is the foundation of our faith. And without a foundation, the whole thing, the whole house topples easily. So we've got to come to a point where we decide, are we going to believe what the Bible says or what people tell us? God was there. I'm going to go with what he said. And he has never lied to me or failed me yet. And everything throughout scripture has proven true through prophecy and through word and through everything we've experienced. So why would we not believe him for the very beginning? Why would he be so truthful about everything but lie to us about the first page? That, that makes no sense. This is how it started. So on the seventh day, he rested. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the land. All right. So basically saying that God created everything in the beginning already perfect and full. Nobody had to grow the garden. You didn't have to water. Everything was made already ready to move forward. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now remember, this is pre-flood. In the beginning, the earth was different. The whole, and when we get there, it's, to me it's very interesting because the whole earth goes through an upheaval and a change geologically through the flood event. So pre-flood, there wasn't rain and storms like what we see now. The earth was different. The atmosphere was different. Um, and there was a mist. In other words, like a heavy fog that came every day. And it was enough to water everything. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
and man became a living soul. So we have man formed from dust. That's our physical frame. And then God breathes spirit, breath, ruach into us. And where the two meet, it creates a living soul. The mind, the will, and the emotion, it becomes a living being. It becomes something that has its own will. And so then the story begins. They, they are. In, in the rest of this, it's going to give you kind of an overview of, of things that happened with a little more clue and detail. Okay, so people are like, oh, see, that's a second creation. No. They try to use that right there. No. God They're, did it twice. No. God created man one time, and then he created everything one time, and then they went out after their kind being fruitful and multiplying. So he gave us what happened on each day in a general, and now he's going back and kind of giving you a little You'll bit more specifics. In chapter 10 and 11, when they're describing the generations right. of the Tower of Babel, it kind of tells a little bit before, but then you get the full detailed account on the next year. Right. If you look back in the geological record to pre-flood things, you will see things like ginormous dragonflies and huge plants, and the atmosphere of the planet was obviously very different, right? So... Most will, will believe the atmosphere was thicker, which is, they talk about the vapor veil, which is the waters. It talked about the waters above from the waters beneath. So that means there was a lot of moisture in the atmosphere. And that's obvious because it's talking about everything being watered by fog and by mist and not having rain, which makes the Noah story a little more interesting when you realize they had never experienced rain. And there, this man is, is prophesying and preaching we got to build a boat because there's a flood coming because it's going to rain. They, they didn't even know what rain was. Depending on where they were, many of them had probably never seen a large body of water if there is basically one landmass and a large ocean. If you're not right by the ocean, maybe you don't even understand the depths of, of a large body of water. So there's enough moisture coming to water plants. There were rivers. So obviously these waters are still kind of draining. There, I think it mentions maybe two rivers or something. There's, so there are some rivers and you know, there are bodies of water, but probably nothing like a lot of people would see what we would think of as understanding I need to build a boat. So this was a huge act of faith and obedience for Noah, maybe even beyond what we would imagine. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So God created man and then put him in the Garden of Eden. He didn't create him in the Garden of Eden. We don't know where he created him, actually. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow everything that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the garden was beautiful. Everything that was pretty to look at, he planted in the garden, and everything that was good to eat. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pisan, that is it which compasseth the whole land of Hevelah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is bdellium and the onyx stones, bunch of jewels. And the name of the second river is Gehan. The same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hedekel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, 
and the fourth river is Euphrates. Now, these rivers could have been supplied from the mist, obviously, because there is still water coming from all of that. But they also could have been coming from under the ground also, like springs, um, because we do know that in the Noah event, a lot of the water that came from the flood didn't just come from rain, but it actually came from underground. It says that the fountains of the deep springs broke forth. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So God created perfection, paradise, and put him in it and said, okay, now keep it. This is very much like our salvation. We get saved and God's like, okay, you're perfect, everything's good, keep it. How do you keep it? Same way they could was supposed to keep it, just do what he says. <laughs> just trust him. Spend time with him, have fellowship. Really, their biggest mistake was was straying from fellowship and, and conversing with the snake. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt eat thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate for him. And God is still saying it is not good for man to be alone. I left Pastor Daniel alone with the lawnmower. I look out and it's spinning in circles. I said, it's not good for man to be alone. <laughs> I've been a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> so man's job was to keep and to tend the garden. All right, but he needed help. So God creates Eve. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. So the animals and, and man are created, but God actually brings the animals to Adam and lets him name them because this is all about training up. It's just like your child, you know, you... You love your child and you want to teach them some responsibilities. So what do you do? You get them a puppy. You let them name it. You see how they're going to tend to it. You correct them if they mistreat it. And you give them regulations on how to be responsible and tend to it. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and all the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But Adam... But for Adam, there was not found any helpmate for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So man was created, brought to the garden. In the garden, he begins to spend some time naming the animals that are created. It doesn't take very long before God says he needs help. So then he puts him to sleep, takes the rib out, creates a woman brings it back, Adam was given the authority to name things, so he actually gives woman the name woman because she came out of man. 
Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So, they were created on the same day, yes. But it appears that he was created early on in the day, maybe. And at the process, it didn't take long. Right? It didn't take long. That's what I'm saying. Within that day, God realizes he needs help. <laughs> Just like a woman to be late, huh? Oh! All the animals to be able to Right. They had each. Yeah. But he did it. It's like he was looking in, in the naming process too. He was almost as if he was naming, but also realizing, like, wait, none of these—they don't match me. Yeah. And God's like, well, here you go. Right. Because originally they were—he was created in God's image, and and there's not marriage in heaven, right? So, and even the Elohim, because originally when it says God, it's the Elohim. It, it can really mean any of the heavenly hosts. Angel angels or whatever but still regardless jesus said there is no given in marriage in heaven so originally he was created like them but as he is sitting here naming the animals and they each have a male and a female it, it's almost like like jacob said it's almost like you can see god seeing it in him wanting that help right. he was doing a task and he couldn't share it with right. anyone and so she was given to help him in his task and so that is originally man's job was to take dominion and woman's job was to help him in the task of subduing. That's where we're going to stop for tonight. This is why we have to understand creation in the beginning because the whole thing that we're going through from way back then all the way until the return of Jesus is to bring restoration and to fix what was messed up then. So if you don't understand it, you don't really understand your need for redemption or the promise that we're actually trying to get to. Because if we don't do what Christ told us to do, we're not going to make it to New Jerusalem. We're not going to be able to go back to the paradise of the garden, which is really what he's trying to bring it back to. He's trying to fix what we messed up. So when people tell you, oh, if God is real, why... Does he allow you know, death and murder and all this evil stuff in the world? It was like, well, if he gets rid of the evil, he has to get rid of you. And he loves you. That's why he allows it. Because he's trying to redeem you and trying to be able to fix what we messed up without having to completely annihilate us. Thank you for joining us today. This program was brought to you by HOWC Media Ministries. For more messages like this or information about our ministry, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.